Blog Talk Radio. That's a hard part right in there, and nephew. Crambo killed a la la ro, flop a doodle yellow bug, two lines did he cover up, stop bottom it, Crambo. Ali ole! And the yodel goes right in there somewhere, but it's a little too high for me. Oh, where will the wedding supper be? Crambo. Where will the wedding supper be? Crambo. Where will the wedding supper be? Way down yonder in a hickle nut, in a hickle nut, in a cotton wool, in a eucalyptus tree. Crambo. Crambo killed la 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 that's that hard part again, right in there. Flop a doodle yellow bug, toodle on it, didn't come around top bottom and scramble. Correctly, 
Uh, that clip turns 65 years old. Uh, came out. Oh my lord! Came out November 11th, 1955. Uh, MGM. It was the 96th one real animated Tom and Jerry short. Uh, but yeah, it came out in 1955. So, I had no idea it was that old. Yes, Tom and Jerry's been around for quite a bit. But, uh, I do remember him pulling the uh, every time his the guitar string broke. Yep. And then at the end, the one thing I was like, you had me up until the end where uh, Uncle Pickles was on TV. I liked the second song he performed, that little guitar ditty toward the end. But, uh, you know, the thing was was that he uh, performed, and then another string broke. Tom's laughing at him, and he reaches the end from out the TV <laughs> and grabs another whisker from Tom. Poor Tom, who pretty much was like whiskerless at that point. So, yeah. Yeah. But, if you know, that's the one thing I think I tell people. The old cartoons, are. I am not going to be the, you know, get off my lawn old guy. But, I'm sorry, but there's a I will be. Huh? I will be. Yeah. There's a reason why Boomerang every day shows like three-hour blocks of Tom and Jerry is because it's still, even all these years, still funny Tom and Jerry is like one of those things where it's like a good show that stands the test of time and and, and almost was like the uh, emphasis now it seems like for another top five list somewhere down the line but things that stand the test of time Tom and Jerry is definitely one of them so yes no matter how agreed no matter how bad and politically incorrect some things were, we didn't think about that much when we were kids. And that was the thing. We didn't go around mimicking the things that happened out of a Tom and Jerry cartoon. You know, we didn't, you know, parents didn't have to worry about us dropping an anvil on somebody's head or, you know, putting sticks of dynamite under somebody's, like, seat cushion or something. It just didn't happen back then. And even then, the most... Uh, politically incorrect things that happened out of that, I didn't take that outside or elsewhere because it was kind of like you, you didn't know any better at that point. But I don't know. It's a, it's a bygone error, but yes. Yeah. I'm done. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think we're out of showtime now. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, good night, everybody. Yes. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, a lot going on this week. A uh, lot going on today. Holy cow, man! A lot. This is just. I think we kind of need it. You know, I, I figure we kind of needed some type of laugh. This week has just been one of those weeks where, for the first full week of the year, I'm already exhausted. I don't know about you. Yeah, absolutely exhausted. It's, it's been a very, really long month this week. I mean, it really has. I mean, from everything to threats of, you know, war to people leaving this, you know, this earth, it, it, it just is, you kind of have to just stop and get something to smile about. And by the way, you know, we get a wide range of listeners from everywhere. Uh, one of the things that amazes me is at times when I look at what we or who actually listens or tunes in, because this is a global thing. I mean, being here on Blog Talk Radio has given us a platform, especially being on the Internet, 
and especially with our shows that are on uh, Apple, which you can get every podcast, including this show. But the listening audience spans not only from North America, but we also get a lot of people from our neighbors to the north, to the south, over uh, across the pond. I think I even saw one time where we had a pickup for a listener. I think we had some listeners from Australia. Um, And, of course, thinking about them in Australia, there's so much stuff that's going on, whether it's the wildfires in Australia, thinking about you folks there because I actually do have a friend that's there. Uh, Some of the pictures that she sends back over uh, her Facebook page, it's scary. At the same time, it makes you... Uh, wonder, well not wonder but it makes you appreciate I guess a little bit more the things that we have uh, and especially the things that nature provides because it can be taken away in an instant by something such as fire Um, and then on top of that uh, of course we're thinking about you folks there in Puerto Rico who have been going through They've just. This has just been a bad like span of a few years, and it's all with earthquakes and other natural disasters down that way. And of course, they are encountering more uh, earthquakes. I think today one that was about 5.4, if I believe. Um, correct me on that if I'm wrong, but it's that's yeah, it was scary. Like that. It was something ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, it's just scary time. Uh, you know, in the midst of all of this silliness and of all of these. Uh, you know, threats, war, you know, think about the people who are pretty much undergoing things that's kind of out of their control. Uh, Having to live without power or live, you know, without the proper necessary things that you and I are taking for granted tonight by going to bed with our electricity and with our food. So it could be worse, you know. But enough of that. Uh, we do have some stories tonight. Um, I usually like to give a little preview of things to come. And if you have been reading, mm-hmm. uh, one of the big things this week uh, that's still kind of like breaking out among itself is with the royal family. Uh, there had been rumors along the way of tension that had been growing between. Uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle in their family. And it actually wasn't a surprise because somebody actually had said a few months ago, don't be shocked, and I forgot whose article it was, and kudos to them, because they said don't be shocked if they decide to kind of like break off from royal family traditions and maybe even set up shop elsewhere. And somebody had exactly said that, and then it kind of uh, hit this week uh, that they both are going to be setting up shop in different uh, portions of the country. I mean, they still have residences there, but I know that they have plans to pretty much be moving almost in this neck of the woods, not America, but a little bit north. Um, because of the pressure of the media there. And it brought to mind, uh, there was a great New York Times article opinion about uh, the person who wrote the article, and I forgive me if I get the name wrong, but it's uh, Afua Hirsch, wrote an article the other day about how 
black Britons know why Meghan Markle may want it to have left uh, where she was at. And the press is notorious there, as well as other people uh, over in that neck of the woods in regards to uh, the marriage of Prince Harry and uh, Meghan. And I just want to read a couple of things here real quick. Um, but it pretty much the opinion piece goes on the state. The British press pretty much has succeeded in its apparent project of hounding Meghan, Duchess of Sussex, out of Britain. The part of it perhaps didn't bargain for, however, is the loss of Prince Harry, a much-loved royal and a key part of the family's global brand, along with her. In a statement released this week, the couple said that they wanted to carve out a progressive new role within the royal family and would step back as senior members and work to become financially independent. The British press reacted with surprise at the, quote, shock move abroad described variously as seismic, selfish, rogue, and an atrocious lapse of judgment. If the media paid more attention to Britain's communities of color, perhaps it would find the announcement far less surprising. With a new prime minister whose track record includes overtly uh, racist statements, some of which would even make Donald Trump blush, Brexit project linked to native nationalism and a desire to rid Britain of large numbers of immigrants and ever-thickening womb of imperial nostalgia, many of us are also thinking about moving. This is her words, not mine. But it says that, you know, from different articles from the beginning about them moving and how uh, Meghan has been treated in the, you know, beginning from her time there, that a lot of it had become too impossible to ignore. And is a really good article about uh, the difference of how Meghan has been treated in her first few uh, or first year or two of being a part of the royal family in comparison to uh, other members of the royal family there and how they've been treated. And that, uh, you know, I read other different articles or, uh, sorry, opinions from people. One of the things I guess i got to stop here, resolution here in 2020 is i got to stop reading uh uh, comments in the comments section because they make me nothing but angry. But you know, you've had a chance to kind of see some of the concerns that they've had. I will tell you first of all. Well, I'll let you give your opinion on this first. But uh, what, what was your opinion when they came out and said, "Hey, you know, we kind of had enough. We're going to kind of branch out on our own and move." It made a lot of people angry. <laughs> But at the same time, I'm water. not surprised. I'm yeah. not surprised at all. Um, with everything that was going on, and I think didn't I want to say that Prince Harry actually had an interview where he said something along the lines of he was, you know, he's been very protective of his family, and that's uh, the the Duchess and, and uh, little Archie, um, especially since a lot of the the media hype around their marriage, their union, her role in the royal family, um, all ring very familiar to uh, Princess Diana. So, uh, not surprised. Um, I'm not angry, but I'm also not a, um, I'm not a Briton, so I wouldn't know. Um, I can, I can see where, where stuff was going sideways, and I, and I can see where it could be, it could be a little bit too much to handle, but yeah, they're 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 leading the way of getting toxic people out of their lives, I guess. 
a lot of people tend to forget, too. Harry is his own man as well. He's always been Mm -hmm. thinking outside the box. Don't think that all this was Megan's idea. You know, Harry's always been his own march to the beat of his own drum, and he has always felt that way about the media there, and to probably just have a lot of things happen here lately, and now especially they have started their family. Um, And knowing what has happened to his mother, and not wanting that to be uh, something that, you know, becomes a generational thing and now them hounding his own wife and child. Don't think that a lot of this wasn't his idea either. Um, You know, the movement about in regards to how this young couple uh, was going to think and how they were going to be pretty much started on their wedding day. Uh, Their wedding was you know, literally a non-traditional sense of a, quote, royal wedding. And, you know, by doing some of the things that they did in their wedding and including different speakers and having different, you know, ministers besides just the Archbishop of Canterbury, I mean, you knew right away that this was going to be different and that, you know, down the line they were going to write the narrative of what was going to happen with their life. You know, you can't help and here's the thing that kills me about this is that when someone wants to better their life or not have as much stress about it it's always funny when everyone all of a sudden have an, has an opinion and takes it personal or takes it you know uh, as if it was a slap in the face to them you're not living the life that these two have had to live and until you can walk a mile in their shoes and until you have to go through the constant uh, barrage of privacy for people who, and granted, you're going to say, well, he's well, you signed up for it. No, technically didn't. And even then, he doesn't owe anything to the monarchy because he is in no way close to being the head of, you know, uh, no yeah, he's not going to be the next ruler he's of the free world kind line. of thing. His, his nephew is ahead of him. So his, his both of his nephews are ahead of him. Yeah, and his niece and his as well. Niece. So I was like, mm-hmm. he will never be anywhere close. So why stick around and why go through all of that? and be Unless all of those people either, and because I'm morbid, either they die or they abdicate. I mean, this is the thing, like, was that movie King Ralph with John Goodman way back? <laughs> yeah. It's not going to really happen that was a good that movie. Way. I like that movie. <laughs> I don't know why they all of a sudden Didn't understand half of it, but I like that movie. <clears throat> so, yeah, it's just, you know, he has no he has no money in this uh, this horse race. So if he has an opportunity to better life for him and his family. And he didn't necessarily say, hey, I'm moving out of here completely and I'm gone and I'm not coming back. He didn't say that. You know, he's just choosing to raise his family a different way. And you can't help but be supportive of someone that wants to do that, whether you're a royal, whether you are living uh, in the west side of Chicago, or whether you are living in uh, 
expensive home in Maine. You know, everyone wants to do what's best for their family. So, yeah, that's why I was like, I'm always surprised, especially that. There's such backlash that came out of that. I, I couldn't understand it, but I don't know. But I actually think uh, it's going to probably propel him to being more of a, it's going to even, <laughs> I know his brother's probably not going to like it. I know it, I've heard the Queen did not like it because when you watched her Christmas address, she didn't even have a picture of them on her uh, desk. So quite interesting as to how that may turn out to be. Yeah, but if that makes him more popular than William, when William does become king, that's going to be an interesting transition. Yeah. He's going to be, you know, and I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I don't, I don't follow the royal family. Um, they are not, and I don't want to stop making sense. They're not my, they're not my royal family. As much as I, I support, obviously, people, and I do watch them because it's, it's kind of fun to watch things, you know, fall apart and wonder, but I don't fully understand the mechanism of, of the monarchy. Kind of get it, but I don't. So, a lot of those wheels of etiquette and, and, and successions and that kind of thing and stepping back as senior members, a lot of that stuff means nothing to me, you know? And so, my opinion is even less than anyone that's part of the Commonwealth. So, you're saying that the only royal family that you are interested in is King Friday? <laughs> no, King K. Rule. King is that something like that? Nah, never mind. I was gonna try and say a video game guy, but I totally messed up that. King Kong. Absolutely. No, 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 no. I'm kind of curious now. Who's the video game guy? No, I, I, this is bad. Now I am not. I mean, is that it's like from Mario be, Brothers, or is that from uh, Zelda? No, it's a it's a boxing game where he's an alligator. Oh. Oh. Yeah, so I'm sure I said the wrong name, and I'm going to get Chris by for it, but that's okay. I'm oh, okay somebody will I, 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 I live I'll be like, don't you do? <laughs> it's from this uh, video game right over here. Recently was, yeah, <laughs> yeah so I, I've, I've said the wrong name. I've said the wrong names recently, so it's not. it would not be surprising. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sorry. I, I I I didn't know. I was trying to enlighten myself here. I was trying to uh, pick it up, but uh, I don't know. Um, yeah. Speaking of which, here uh, moving on, uh, there was an article that came out this week, and of course, uh, for those of you that know, uh, Dog the Bounty Hunter uh, lost his wife Beth uh, late last year, and with her gone now, her beloved family has unfortunately spiraled into chaos. And now uh, that he's rumored to have a new special lady in his life, it's clear that the rest of the family is not behind him. Uh, in the most recent turn of events, uh, Lisa Chapman is claiming that the new woman is making herself at home and even cleared the late Beth Chapman's clothes out of her own closet. Um, Lisa's gone on social media a lot in the last few weeks over the escalating situation and pretty much uh, has this lady in her crosshairs uh, and has been uh, accusing a woman of making a romantic move on her father months after the passing of Beth Chapman and she's 
John on Twitter pretty much calling her, quote, a disgusting woman. Uh, continuing on, any person who moves into in, in on a man weeks after losing his wife, uh, who you were supposed to be a, quote, friend to, is the lowest scum on the planet, which for you wasn't that far of a step down from where you were before. Wow. And uh, this lady in turn is fired back, claiming that Dog himself will address the situation. Sources close to the reality star have told us that they're just friends, However, a revelation by Lisa suggesting that things are moving quick between the widower and the suitor. And she says, quote, if someone who met your family by dating your brother tried to date your father after your stepmom died, what would you do? If you went to your mother's closet and saw she moved all her clothes and replaced them with her own, what would you do? And she's making it perfectly clear that her dad is a grown man, his money, his dynasty, but you can guarantee that my name is not going down in history as a person who supported this. Um, the I don't know. It is tough enough where if you lose a parent, watching your other parent uh, maybe finding someone else uh, or spending time with somebody who understands them and not just, you know, with kids. I guess there's two things to this story. I guess one, and of course I know where you're going to go with this, uh, social media, of course, is not the best place to always air dirty laundry. (laughs) Amen. And two, um, when it comes to parents who are moving on, um, just how much, I guess, yeah, this gets a little iffy here. And I guess I take it from a standpoint of whether it is by loss of death or even as a loss by uh, divorce, but kids are going to have their opinion in it. There's got to be a better way, I would think, of trying to get everybody on board. But there's no, and even then, it's kind of one of those things where I thought about this when I read it today. There's no timeline to warning, even though that does seem a little quick, if it is true. What did you think? Um, I, I agree with everything you're saying, and you basically took the words right out of my mouth. There's no timeline for grief. Um, the only thing that I could point at that might make a little bit of a difference married to Beth while she was going through the cancer mm-hmm. he may have had more time to breathe and adjust to it before she died and right. was able to like I'm not saying heal faster but basically heal faster like because he had already kind of lived through the worst of it while she was going through it it's one of those like i know it sucks that they're gone but she's not in pain anymore right that she's not so kind of like he came to terms with it that before then yeah well and on top of that her pain depending on their relationship and I, i obviously i don't know their relationship that well but depending on their relationship her pain is his pain too. Like, because now he's got to live with this person that he knows or he knew as 
lively and vibrant and wonderful and all the things that she was going through this awful thing called cancer mm-hmm. and then coming to the end of her life. That's got to be hard. And that's hard on the other person as well. That's hard on the caretaker as well as the person going through the sickness. So if they came to, like, if they discussed everything, if they worked on everything, and they basically got came to terms with the mortality of the disease, him moving on, his grieving period may be much shorter than his children's grieving period. Right. Now, not, that's not to say that he shouldn't respect their their time of grief, but in the same token, that's his life, you know, and he's not going to make his kids happy. He, he can't, there's never going to be another mom. Because that's not, there's never going to be another person that's exactly the same. Right. It just, that's just the way it is. So it comes back down to respect, obviously, and then also kind of drawing the line of, this is my life, this is where I'm at, and if I'm okay with it, you're going to have to either learn to be okay with it or be pissed about it, but this is where I'm going. Um, And then you make those decisions. So um, if you're going to be taking into consideration your child's opinion or it's hard when there's a because the death means they're gone. They're gone. They're gone. There's no way that they're coming back into lives. They're not hanging out on, you know, holidays or, you know, every other weekend. This is they're gone. And I think that's a little bit different. Yeah. You know, it's, I don't know. It's I think each family is its own in which they have to deal with this, and then you know the adjustment of if someone else does come in, and I guess because of the relationship that Dog and Beth had, I'm pretty sure for kids they're still in the morning stage, and it kind of looks like you know that this lady is pretty much trying to take advantage of a morning man, and is coming in and trying to. And this is the other thing that I always tell people. You know, whether you are coming in as someone, uh, you know, post whatever situation somebody's getting out of, you know, you have to know always, even in life, you have to know your role. And when you come in guns blazing and trying to take over stuff, you're not going to start off on good footing with anyone on that side of the family. I guarantee you. And you kind of have to, like, it's kind of like taking a dip in the pool. you got to, like, put the big toe in first, then kind of test it a little bit. Then when it starts to feel comfortable, you go in one foot at a time. Right. Yeah. Surprised, uh, and hopefully, you know, it's something that they all eventually can get together on. But, yeah, that's that's a tough um you know, the mourning process and then trying to readjust to someone who has to, you know, or picking back up the pieces again on life. Yeah, that's not an easy thing to do. Um, right. You know, I hope, I wish but I But you're had correct. Me. Social media is not the way to fix this. And unfortunately, no. that's a, that's a popular outlet these days. Which I never understood because I was like, you're you're guilty just as much for like taking all this stuff to social media because what's it going to prove? 
you know, it's like people want to use social media as the jury of public opinion, and you want all these people behind you, but that's still not going to solve the issue at hand because you still got to deal with the person that you got an issue with, and no one that's on social media is going to deal with that for you. So I never got that. Mm-hmm. So folks, next time you decide you want to do like some type of Twitter beef with somebody, just talk to them. And I don't get using so. I think that was the other part of the story that I kind of want to drag out of it because I never understood why people want to use social media as their pulpit or as their uh, you know means of getting a word out to somebody that they could have easily probably picked up a phone, saw face to face, or uh, talk to themselves instead of like, hey, everybody, this is what I think about so-and-so. You guys think the same way because you follow me. So let them know. But it means nothing if it's not coming from you and the situation still is there. Correct. <laughs> Who knows? Speaking of a situation right now, you know, yeah. <laughs> It seems that Lizzo is in the news quite a bit lately. And I think we talked about Lizzo here probably like last week or a week before last. But this time it is not something that she did at a basketball game. It is something that is coming from, I guess, can I call her a fellow celebrity? Um, <laughs> if you remember Jillian sure. Michaels. Yeah, yeah. If you remember Jillian Michaels, a personal trainer, she came under fire after what some have called the fat shaming of pop star Lizzo. This isn't sadly going to be, and I'm going to take it aside from this story before I start, but I don't know if this is this is the first time, and sadly I don't think it's going to be the last. Um, but during an interview with BuzzFeed, uh, Jillian was asked about uh, previous comments that she made about obesity, obesity during her Women's Health UK interview in April 2019. Uh, Michaels re- pretty much repeated uh, that you cannot glorify obesity. It's dangerous. It kills people. Uh, and one of the hosts of the show went on to share that she loves celebrities like Lizzo for, quote, preaching self-acceptance and allowing the public to celebrate different body types. And Michaels replied, why are we celebrating her body? Why does it matter? That's what I'm saying. Like, why aren't we celebrating her music? Because it isn't going to be awesome if she gets diabetes. She went on to say that I'm just being honest. I love her music. My kids love her music. But there's never a moment where I'm like, I'm so glad that she's overweight. Like, why do I even care? Why is it my job to care about her weight? After a clip of the interview was posted to Twitter, fans of uh, Lizzo immediately came to her defense, some calling out Michael's previous gig on a reality weight loss show, Biggest Loser. Uh, One tweeter saying that the only reason we know who she is is because of a reality show where people use incredibly unhealthy practices in order to lose as much weight as possible, not to become the most physically fit or to get the healthiest vitals in a dangerously short time. Another follower called her statements incredibly gross, while another made note of the uh, singer's uh, energetic stage show. And... uh, you kind of read the story. One side note to this uh, I saw is that Whoopi Goldberg came out and defended Lizzo, and she said that she's thrilled that the musician is, quote, a big-figured woman. And uh, 
there's been more people coming out and defending her, and uh, Goldberg definitely is one of them who have demonstrated her support for Lizzo, uh, speaking on Thursday's episode of The View. And you saw the uh, comments that Jillian made. Um, Mm -hmm. Your opinion? (laughs) Okay. Under normal circumstances, I'm not. Some of Lizzo's songs are really good. I'm not going to say anything bad about them. Some of them are great. Some of them aren't. Some of her decisions need to be re-looked at. But um, Jillian Michael saying that she's going to get diabetes. You don't know that. Shut up. I am not a twig of a person. I'm not a twig of a woman. Um, I'm not as full-figured as Lizzo. I'm somewhere in the happy medium. Um, I don't know about happy, but medium. And I have diabetes. I'm not what someone would say. I am not obese by any stretch of anybody's imagination. And yet I have diabetes. So it has nothing to do, I mean, it does have something to do with weight, but that's not the only factor. So don't sit here and say all fat people are going to get diabetes. Don't say that all full-figured women are going to get diabetes. Because not all full-figured women are fat either. So... In this case, and it may be a rare case, but in this case, I'm defending Lizzo on this one. Um, Jillian Michaels just needs to stop. Just stop. Who cares? Is it bothering you? Great. That's wonderful. Don't listen to her music. Your kids listen to her music? Fine. Tell your kids not to listen to her music. Good luck. You know, but does it really matter? Does that have anything to do with your life? Does Lizzo come to you and go, hey, help me lose some weight? No, I highly doubt that. So it's it's one of those cases of why are people putting their noses out there in other people's business? Right. Now, if she was making comments about Lizzo and her ass cheek barren outfit, that's a different thing. If it's specifically about the outfit, like keep keep it speci- keep keep it specific, people. It's just it's ridiculous. It's it's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm in agreement with you on all of that. Um, definitely, as like, you know, I, I didn't get the comments, and I was like, it, it was, I I got it, but then again, it was kind of like she. At the same time, she kind of, even after reading that comment, it was like she went off on this tangent, and she was supportive of her for doing what she was doing, but at the same time, showing this concern that pretty much really isn't a concern that should be of hers. You know, if anybody is concerned about anybody getting something, it should be the person themselves. And apparently, and their doctor is fine with where she's at. So that's her. You know, it would be like telling somebody, "Hey, you know, I love so and so, but so and so is a smoker. And what's going to happen? You know, they smoke a lot of weed. So what's going to happen when they kill off all their brain cells by next year? You know, we don't know what the end result of that's going to be." bad analogy, but I mean, it's the same thing where it's kind of like, you know, if somebody is a great singer, but they do a lot of something minor or there's something going on, you know, it's like, that's them. If they, you know, 
are happy with where they're at and they want to get healthier or do what they need to do, that's them. But as a fitness trainer, I kind of thought she was out of bounds on that because I was like, you know, the last thing that we want to, and like I said, Lizzo is, loves, you know, it's mm-hmm. great when she She loves be, who she is. Yes. And I was like, and to sit here and, you know, I know she used her, uh, you know, from coming from a fitness trainer's perspective, but like you said, uh, she of all people should know that diabetes does not strike any. Cause I know people who are, you know, smaller than Lizzo, but suffer from diabetes, you know, who mm-hmm. are the most active people out there. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like that in itself was pretty much a bad thing to pretty much put out there and say. And by being a fitness trainer, you know, you of all people should know that it, to be correct on something or to not be misleading on something, it was kind of misleading, you know, to say mm-hmm. that that would be a cause of something. And even then, you know, if that is, you know, something that Lizzo was keeping track of, that's her. You know, that's, yeah, it just was, I thought she was kind of out of bounds on it, but. Uh, yeah, it's basically like a hairstylist for the stars or whatever, like a hairstylist that got famous for being on America's Next Top Model, mm-hmm. saying that it's wrong that pink wears short hair. Right. And that it's it's inappropriate, and by having short hair, she's going to end up losing, by keeping it short and blonde and, and coloring it, she's going to lose all of her hair. <laughs> you don't know that. Right. You don't know that. And, I mean, that's the closest analogy I can come up with. It's just like, you don't know that. And really, honestly, it doesn't really matter. It does not matter. At the, at the end of the day, Lizzo's health is between her and her health care professional, whoever she chooses to have that person be. And that's the only people that should care about where her health is. Um, and then anybody that makes comments about her health, or specifically her health, they're out of bounds. Right. That's that's how I'm looking at it. All right. But, yeah, um, one of the uh, other stories that we were looking at today was actually one that you brought to my attention. Did you want to share with the good folks this story, or did you want me to go ahead and do it? No, I want you to do this, because I want to hear what you say first. (laughs) Well, uh, there uh, was an interesting article that uh, Marriott shared with me this morning um, in regards to uh, it was a Post article, a New York Post, um, which kind of, in some ways, we are now a digital world. We do a lot of things that are a little bit different from the days of when Emily Post wrote about the Book of Etiquette and things that uh, you needed to know, which still, you know, in some aspects are viable to today. But uh, with digital etiquette, it will be a little bit different. And uh, just taking from this article, and I'm going to read a little bit of it to you, uh, but it pretty much just says, is putting a period at the end of a text message passive-aggressive, or is it just ending the sentence? Uh, there are nuances to good etiquette, 
guest is Victoria Turk, who is an editor at Wired UK and the author of a new book, Kill, Reply, All, A Modern Guide to Online Etiquette from Social Media to Work to Love. Uh, she covers the gamut of proper digital manners from emailing coworkers at night, just don't, she says, to leaving lengthy voicemails, which you were never, she says, to do. Uh, Turk, who is a millennial, says that the instant gratification of text and email has caused us to forget the old-fashioned rules of polite discourse. Uh, she says, in quote, when it comes down to it, it doesn't really matter what digital medium you're using or what the context is. It all comes back to just thinking about other people first. And they had eight web-savvy tips for treating people right. We're going to go one by one through these. Uh, I'll kind of quickly go through these because we've got a few minutes left in the broadcast mm-hmm. tonight. Um, the first thing that she talked about was how punctuation can put you in a doghouse. Uh, at the end of the text message, it's very clear that the text message is finished. Putting a period at the end just to finish the sentence is sort of redundant. Adding that extra effort makes it seem like you're doing it for emphasis, which can come off as angry. I never saw it that way. I saw it as actually just using good grammar because my English teacher way back, or my language arts teacher way back in seventh grade would probably, she wouldn't literally, but probably slap me in the back of the head if she knew that and not end the sentence with a period. <laughs> Is that a little overkill? I'm the same way. I still do, um, unless it's something where I'm going to, and then I'll use the ellipses. But, yeah. I still put the I end up, I put a period <laughs> and question marks and exclamation points. I still use punctuation. Yes, I don't know what's wrong with that and why that would seem coming off as angry. This once again a millennial thing. I, I don't get it. Uh, the second one: reconsider replying all. If you find yourself copied on a mass email, look over the list of recipients before you hastily reply all. Does everyone on the chain need the information? If not, consider directing your response just to the sender. But Turk warns against cherry-picking recipients to start side conversations. You're potentially talking behind other people's backs. With this one, I don't like replying to reply-alls anyway, and I hate reply or I hate group text messages, especially ones that go on and on and on and on. Um, But on that one, I'm kind of on the fence because if it is a group project and everyone needs to be in the know in order to get this done, I'm not going to just pick and choose from that. I'm going to reply all. But if it is something in which I want one or two people to probably know something about, I don't think it's wrong to cherry pick the two people out of there because I actually would appreciate it if you didn't start a full-blown back-and-forth conversation adding me in on it and I don't have anything to do with it. Correct. I hate group <laughs> texts, so reply all is like a group text to me. Yeah. It just, I mean, let's back that up. There are times when group texts are actually helpful. But then most of the time, once the help is done, they go on forever. So that's where my reply all is. I always, if I hit reply all, I look at who I'm replying to and be like, do they really care? No, take them off. 
And if they really do care later on, somebody's going to put them back on anyway. I don't say anything in my replies to anyone. Regardless, that would be inappropriate, especially on work emails because, well, that's going to come back to bite me in the butt. I know it will. So, yes, I agree. And then the other one here, in- email is not an instant messenger. Thanks to smartphones, eager emailers have come to expect near instantaneous responses. But Turk points out that that's not the way email is intended to be used. It's not supposed to be an immediate back-and-forth conversational tool, she says. If you need a quick answer, Turk suggests using a different medium such as a call or stack or slack. I needed my glasses for that. Slack is what it's called. I've mm-hmm. never even used it. Don't even know what the heck it is. Please don't ask me. But here's the thing. Um, it depends She's on right. who you're talking to. Some it's people are emailers. Messenger. Yeah, a lot of but people, it's still not an instant messenger. Yeah, a lot of people don't like that. And especially if you have Facebook, I know some people that have not added that instant messaging part. They don't like it. Um, to me, a lot of those, I don't know. It depends on who you're dealing with. I, I really don't. Some people like email. Um, and they could be just as slow on instant messenger. <laughs> so it's not going to matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I, yeah, I can see where you're going with this. Yes, you're absolutely correct. Yes, there are people. I'm an emailer. I would rather have an email as well or a text. I, I'm not big on that stuff. But if it's something that you need an answer for, please call me. Please come talk to me. But I would rather you actually just walk up and face-to-face because there's also nuances to conversations that you can't do over a phone. Right. Unless you know somebody. Um, right. So there are plenty of ways of getting instant responses. Um but yeah, I'm an emailer. I, 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 but I'm not. I'm also not. I also agree. It's not an instant messenger. So if you email me and I don't answer you right away, it's not because I'm ignoring you. It's because there's a reason I'm not answering you, and that could be I'm away from my desk, or I'm away from my phone, or I'm actually doing something else, or maybe I'm talking to and answering a question for someone else. So, yeah. Yeah, and then the other thing that they had on here, uh, respecting downtime. Um, pretty much, I mean, the whole thing with that and respecting downtime, it's pretty basic, uh, is that mm-hmm. if you work, now you know what, the one thing I love about this is that even with, uh, even with electronic technology on this one, uh, rest of my story froze, but I know that with the respecting downtime one, that that came from the whole thing of like, hey, I, I have bosses, well, in the back in the day, not now, <laughs> um, that used to, because I had a job in which I had the simple cell phone where people would call you after hours, and there was nothing that burned me more. <laughs> I actually kind of agree with that one. And it's like, you know, you wouldn't expect someone to come into your office to do um uh, at that time, so why are you expecting them to do it at home? I, I get that. It, it's yeah, respect my downtime, please. <laughs> mm-hmm. Unless you are hundred percent in a position in which you're working around the clock and you're scheduled to work, I don't really want to hear from you. 
Uh, but yeah. they said that your coworkers probably can't help but check their email after hours, which is why you shouldn't bother them. Uh, you know, if you wouldn't respect that or expect that, then, yeah, just don't. Um, one of the other things, too, here was emojis and exclamation points are good in moderation. Uh, she says exclamation points and emojis are useful even in work emails. Uh, they can help get your tone across because it's super difficult in email. For instance, a cute smiley face can say, I'm not mad about this or this is a joke, but don't go overboard or you'll come across as silly. As with any medium, people are going to make assumptions about you based on your writing style. I disagree with this one a little bit because if you are in a professional work zone and you are dealing with older people, if they see those things, they're going to say, who is this person, 18? <laughs> Correct. You can do it occasionally. Once, I would probably say use one very sparingly. But, I would only use emojis in a work setting, in a work email, if it's right. a specific kind of email between people that I know personally and know me. There is no – I have to send out professional emails along with um, briefs that are used for um, litigation, and there is – I do not want any of my things to show up in a litigation with a smiley emoji. <laughs> no. And so I was like, no. I was like, what is this? That's like something that mm-hmm. you do with your friends. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. that one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bypass a couple of these because the, those I know will be the longest ones. But uh, uh, the other one is don't read and ignore. She says there's no obligation to turn on your read receipts. Uh, the optional notification to the person you're texting with that says if you open a message. But if you decide to use them, it's bad manners to leave people hanging. Respond immediately, even if it's just a thumbs-up emoji. Here we go with that emoji again. That shows I've read your message and then reply properly later on. <laughs> just respond. I'm waiting on your answer on this one. Just respond. <laughs> Here's the thing. One of the things I'm known for in an office setting is that I will generally, you know, there's no need to, okay, I got it. Um, you know, you can respond back to your boss to let them know, hey, I received it. I'll look into it. Whatever. Emojis don't need the thumbs up because to me that's more or less like, yeah, I got your boss. I got it. It's kind of like flipping me off. I don't even really need to have a thumbs up emoji. Just write me something back that states, okay, got it. I would much rather that than a thumbs-up emoji or a smiley face because at that point it is as bad as probably like flipping the bird to somebody. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but okay. I still agree you with you. Across that way because not that if, far. So you don't know because it could directly come across that way. Like if your boss sends you something and you just do the, okay, the little like thumb thing, they're going to sit there like, what is this? You know? Mm. So just shut off your on, Once again, it depends on who you're responding to. If it's a fellow coworker, yeah, you could do that. But if it is like the COO of your company, I'm not doing the thumbs up emoji. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the other one was never ever leave a voicemail. There's absolutely no purpose for voicemails in the modern age. Disagree. You have no idea what to expect from them. They could go on for minutes, 
you might have to reach for a pen to jot some uh, down some information, and it's super inefficient and inconvenient. If you call someone and they don't pick up, she says, consider dropping an email or a text instead. Yeah, you could do those things, but sometimes if you have to drop it in a voicemail really quick, that's why voicemails are there. You know, some people may not be tech savvy, and some people may not go to their email. If I saw that somebody called me, didn't leave a voicemail, and I'm not thinking to go to my email, like, oh, I missed their call. I'm going to go to my email. Or if they text, that could be even, they may not have the ability to text at that point. You know? So. It also depends uh, on your job, I think. Yeah, it depends on the job. But always leave, I would say just leave the basics in a voicemail. I mean, Mm -hmm. they do have some truth to this. There's no need for like a five-minute voicemail. Uh, Short, to the point, you know, let's roll. So. I, I mean, I agree with you to to a point. It depends on the job. Like, the, the, again, I work in a position where I need information, and it actually helps if I have the information ahead of time to call you than when I call you back. So if I have, you know, who I'm talking to, why you're calling, the information about that, and then a phone number, you would be so surprised how many voicemails I was missing one of those four key things. Mm-hmm. I've gotten now – Granted, a couple of those can be missing, and you can still kind of get you'll get a call back. But I've gotten voicemails that are like, "Hey, yeah, so you called and or you stopped by my house, and I want you to give me a call back." Who are you? I don't have a number to call back. I stop by a lot of people's houses. Like <laughs> you are not the only person I stop by today. So like. I, I need more. And, yeah. yeah, so if you are going to leave a voicemail, make sure that it, it, it is – it doesn't have to be so overly detailed, but at least make sure you include your name and a phone number. Try that on for size. Um, and then if you're not going to leave a voicemail, if you don't have access to email or texting, do leave the voicemail. Don't just be like, eh, I'll call back later. You may not get a chance to. So I'm not 100% in agreement with that one. And then the last point that she left in here was schedule all calls even with your friends. Forget the surprise phone call. Uh, She says it's downright rude. When you receive a phone call you're not expecting, it throws you off guard. It's almost intrusive. Instead, embrace a simple two-step process of shooting off a quick check-in text before you dial. Now, I will tell you all for the sake of telling you, um, that I have known my dear friend here on the other line for, I think we discussed it, 24 years this year. And mm-hmm. I have always told her that if you needed to call me, there is no need to, quote, check in ahead of time to call me. And what does she do? She will still I check. in ahead of time. <laughs> no need to. Just call. If you're that close... I also leave voicemails. Yes. Um, And the thing is is that if you are friends, like true, honest-to-God friends, not acquaintances, not someone who you haven't heard from in like five years, because those are the people that pretty much really feel comfortable. Um, But if 
you are true fans, there should be no need to text and call and all that other good stuff. Just call. And if I'm around, I will answer the phone. If I'm busy, I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to tell you, hey, I'm busy. Can I call you back in about five minutes? True friends understand that. I disagree with this one vehemently. I think there's an asterisk that should be put on that, and that's if you, quote, are like just an acquaintance and not a friend or like a coworker that's a friend but not that close, yeah, text me, please. But other than that, no, no need to do all that. I, I, I text before I call everybody. I do because it's, it's, it's been ingrained at this point. Um, I have found that, and not in your case, obviously, we do have this discussion every time. I still do it. Um, I have found with people that I am friends with for less time than I've been friends with you, um, that sometimes they don't have a chance to answer their phone. Mm -hmm. Um, They're nowhere near their phone. And if it's something that I need, like, quickly, then I'll shoot them a text. And then if I don't get a response right away, then I know I'm not going to get an answer right away. Um, Life is busy. Lots of people have. And sometimes it's easier just to text than it is to call. Um, But in the same token, I have called people. I've dropped calls and called people. And then I've also had where people, I knew people were holding onto their phones because they were just texting me. And I call and they don't answer. And then they text me back like, uh, yeah, um, so I've had it go both ways. Um, but I do text you. I know. And I always tell her, like, there's no point in texting. Just call. <laughs> just call, man. Just call. Uh, if you have noticed, it is in the east, 11 o'clock central t- uh, time zone. Uh, we kind of supersized tonight's show a little bit. Because there's a couple of things that I want to, uh, as we always say, that we've got old business and new business to take care of. Uh, I am going to leave the floor here for my friend in just a moment. But before we do, uh, just a programming note. Um, coming up in February, uh, I have, of course you do know that uh, part of this sometimes gets converted over to the good folks and I do shows with PLM, uh, which is Pleasure Life Music and Radio, which is a part of the arm that uh, Spontaneous has. And we do uh, everything from our roundtable discussions to having celebrity guests. And one of the big things every February is that uh, it is also uh, Spontaneous's birthday month and also mine's. Um, and this year... Uh, we will be having a couple of really great guests coming. The dates in which they will be here and the dates in which you will want to mark on your calendar coming up is Sunday, February 19th, um, and Sunday, February 26th. Um, this year being, no, wait, you know, I'm wrong. Duh, 19th, 23rd, or 16th, 23rd. I'm going to get this correct here. Take two. 16th, 23rd. I was looking at January's calendar. I should know full well 
that it's not that. But, yes, Sunday, February 16th, Sunday, February 23rd, uh, two of the shows here from PLM in Chicago. Uh, I know the guest and who they will be. I cannot release it yet, but I will tell you that it is uh, something that you do not want to miss. It will be a very good show. Um, it will be an interesting show, and you will probably even feel a little bit nostalgic listening to the show. That's all I can say right now until I get official um, word where we can release who these guests are. But you do not want to miss it. So mark your calendars for Sunday, February 16th, Sunday, February 23rd. Times will be coming up as well as the guests. So just look alive and be ready for that one. And I wanted to leave the last few minutes tonight to my friend because we have been talking about a project near and dear to her heart uh, that is coming up for her soon. But there is a way in which all of you can help. Uh, there, uh, And I hope that by listening tonight, uh, and we'll be posting this on our Twitter page, me over at News Comet BTR, Mary over at Lou Eyes Mama. Um, hopefully you will be able to help us out a little bit here, and I'm calling on everyone that's listening tonight uh, to find it in your hearts, if you can, to donate to such a good cause. Uh, I'm pretty sure Mary will tell you here in the next few minutes that it doesn't have to be, you know, a lot, but anything that you can give helps. And definitely, I know we're just coming outside of, quote, the giving season, but the giving season, to me, lasts all year, and especially for great things such as this. So with that, I will give the floor to my good friend to tell you what's going on and something that's near and dear to her. Oh, thank you. Um, so basically what he was talking about, what you were talking about with everyone, um, is that I, I've decided to be part of uh, St. Baldrick's and be a shave E. And St. Baldrick's does um, fundraising for children's cancer research. And it's um, no kids should have cancer ever. Um, so as part of my goals in life um, to give back, because I have been lucky and blessed in my life um, to give more time and to give more love to the people that I think really deserve it. Um, I am going to shave my head. Um, and if you see any pictures of me, and there's a couple up on, on uh, Twitter, and if you follow Instagram, I'm out there too. I My hair is pretty long right now. Um, so I'm going to be shaving my head to, to be bald and be beautiful, bald and beautiful and donating that hair to Wigs for Kids. Um, but in the meantime, uh, I am doing a fundraising goal for St. Baldrick's. I'm hoping to raise $1,000 before St. Patty's Day. Um, I will be shaving my head on March 14th, Saturday. If you are going to be anywhere near the Las Vegas area, come down. We, there's a uh, festival that we're going to be doing it for. It's going to be in, addition, or in uh, partnership with Sons and Daughters of Aaron. And there's a parade, and then we're going to have the event. And it's just all sorts of fun. Um, 
if I reach my goal, I definitely will be live, um, probably going up on Facebook Live. Uh, we're still kind of working out the details on that one. Um, but like I said, it, donate if you can. Any little bit helps. Um, I think it said um, $25 buys two hours worth of chemo or no, $25 is a, a round of um, um, as a as a clinical trial for a child. Um, so we're looking for just to get cancer out of the world. It's awful. Um, if you want to donate, go to stbaldricks.org. That's S-T-B-A-L-D-R-I-C-K-S.org. You can do a quick search for Mary. My picture's up on the on there. You'll see my smiling mug, but it is under the leprechaun made me do it, and it is uh, March 14th. That's a Saturday. Feel free to give. If you can't do, if you can't give, share. Uh, get the get the word out to other people, and uh, let's let's make this really a great thing. And thank you for joining me on the journey. Smile you a little bit. I love nothing more than to not only meet a goal, but to pretty much obliterate it. And if there's anything mm-hmm. that can be obliterated besides this goal is cancer. Don't need it. If there's anything that we can hate in this world, it is definitely cancer. And even more so when it affects a child. Every two minutes a child's diagnosed with cancer. So definitely, even by doing something like this, if you can see it in your heart, if you have the opportunity, we can help with funding that research that will help save some lives. And we can start by definitely uh, sponsoring Mary on a good and noble cause here. So I'll be posting a lot of it on my page. She'll be posting a lot of it on her page. Uh, this is not the only time we will talk about this. We will talk about this every week, and we will be reminding you, and if you know someone that is looking to give to something or to devolt, uh, or probably to give some uh, money towards a charitable uh, contribution towards something, this would be it. And I know it's also, also tax deductible, so... Yes. It is tax deductible at the end of the time, so if you feel like you want to give, but then there's other issues, by all means, it is it is a charitable organization. It is tax deductible at the end of the year. Definitely do that, dear friends. Uh, I know she could not thank you enough. I thank you if you do. And like I said, we'll post more about this on all of our pages. We'll be talking about it every week at nauseam until uh, we can hit this goal. But, hey. Let's hit it early and let's go beyond it. Uh, I feel good about it. So, uh, Also, I do believe on that information you'll be able to also donate by phone as well, So, uh, besides just doing it through the link. So we'll post more about it. But in the meantime, uh, the clock on the wall is telling us that it is time to go. As usual, uh, I cannot thank you enough for listening. Uh, Please tell all your friends about us. Follow us over on Twitter. Also, you can subscribe to the Apple uh, iTunes and get these podcasts every week. We're here every Friday night at this time. Uh, And if you join us, uh, definitely we appreciate you. And uh, I know we did have a caller tonight, and unfortunately we couldn't get to you. Thank you for calling in, by the way. 
Uh, I do believe probably the next few weeks will pretty much be a little bit more open uh, with calls. So we'll open the floor up to you because one of the most important things is having you guys here uh, listening to us. And like I said, in the meantime, this week or even this weekend or tonight, if you're still up, if you have an opportunity, go to the website, find Mary's information, donate, you'll feel good. Because we always talk about giving more and helping out more. And if there's, like I said, anything that we hate, it's cancer. And until we can get rid of it, it's things like this that will help in trying to eradicate that. So thanks so much for listening, everybody. We will see you.